Jag vet inte hur många sällskaper jag har mött som sliter med att få in professionella investorer till trots för att produkten egentligen är ganska bra och sällskapet visar växt och goda tal. Vi ser en ting de proffsiga investorerna på utsikter i tillägg att du bygger ett bra sällskap självklart är hur du hanterar dina aktionärer eller ditt så kallade cap table som det heter på startupsk. Ett ödelagt cap table sätter rätt och slett en stopper för sällskapsutveckling. Unlisted.ai gör det möjligt för sällskaper att hantera aktie- och optionsprogrammer, aktieägarboken, cap table och det mesta av rättigheter in mot aktierna i sällskapet på ett sted. Pröv Unlisted.ai sin gratisversion idag. Hi and welcome to Shippers Podcast. I'm here with Erin um, Meyer, who is the author of uh, The No Rules Rules, Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention. This is probably the best book I've read in uh, 2020. It was really, really great, uh, but it was also really brutal. <laughs> welcome, Erin. So nice to be here with you. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you first read the Netflix uh, deck, culture deck, you, you struck you as hyper-masculine excessively confrontational and downright aggressive yes. <laughs> but, but now you're an ambassador for the netflix culture how do you explain that yeah so the netflix culture deck is a set of slides that was released in 2009 i was downloaded 20 million times and there are things in it that are quite surprising so one of the things it says is um at netflix adequate performance gets a generous severance and that really startled me because at INSEAD, where I'm a professor at INSEAD, at INSEAD, we've been focusing a lot on the idea of psychological safety. But here was this company that was not focused on safety. They were focused on saying, if you don't do great, you'll get kicked out. I couldn't figure out how that would work. <laughs> and they also said things like, at, at Netflix, our vacation policy is, there is no vacation policy. Yeah. And I also just couldn't figure out how in a real organization any of that would, would work out. But later on, I came to see that this is an ecosystem and if it works together it really breeds innovation and flexibility yeah, in the company it, but this is exactly an ecosystem right because if you, if you look at this as a bunch of tactics you will never work right it's it sounds totally mm. crazy yeah. when you look at it piece by piece mm. but if you look if you start doing it all together you see oh actually this is totally different than the way most companies are doing it but it works okay let me do a brief summary in one sentence, I will try to do that, and you can have to you can agree or disagree. But is it all about rewarding winners, getting rid of losers, and pay them a lot of money? Um, sorry, reward winners, getting rid of the losers, and give lots of freedom to the ones who are still in the company. Yeah. So, okay. The, the idea is that you start by hiring the, the top talent that you can, right? Getting rid of anybody who is kind of bringing the team down, developing a candid work environment where people are giving a lot of feedback to one another, and then giving these people enormous amounts of freedom, removing all of those rules and procedures and other control mechanisms yeah. that we have at most companies. And that's what breeds that innovation and creativity. Because, because the goal is to attract the best, the best of the best, right? The goal is to attract the best mm. because high performers mm. love being surrounded mm. by stunning colleagues. Yeah. And the uh, the other goal is to create 
freedom, which breeds innovation, yeah. right? So if you have a flexible work structure where people have a lot of power to make decisions for themselves, that's where you're really going to get creativity, innovation, and agility. Yeah. And one important point is that then you need to have A players. And even if you have one mediocre player, he or she will drag down the whole team. There's, so uh, the point is that performance is contagious. It's actually this fascinating study where a colleague of mine, uh, Professor William Phelps, he did a study where he invited four MBA students into his lab at a time. He gave them a task and he rewarded them financially based on how well they, they performed. And they didn't know it, but on half of the teams, there was an actor who had been hired to do things that were not so great. Like sometimes he would act bored or, or jerky. And what we saw in the, the this research was not... Not just that the teams with the actor on them performed significantly worse than the other teams, but for example, when the actor was was um, acting bored, that everybody else in the team started to act bored also. And when the actor was acting jerky, everybody else in the team started acting jerky too. So I think that most of us think about an individual performance problem as an individual problem, right? That's a problem between that person and me, the boss. But we know from a lot of research that an individual performance problem is not an individual problem. It's a systemic problem that impacts the entire team, drags down the entire team maybe uh, energy maybe even of the organization. So I'm interested in what you what do you think about this this Netflix culture? After so so you you're an outsider before right but now you're sort of an insider yeah. in, in a way but how did you think about this culture from the outside and how do you look at this now well when i looked at it from the outside i saw the startling things like um like this candid feedback which i didn't think sounded very nice <laughs> i come from <laughs> minnesota in <laughs> the u.s we don't like candid feedback there <laughs> um and i thought oh gosh getting rid of nice people who are not performing well wow that sounds really as you said harsh but when i started doing the interviews at Netflix, what everyone talked about was the freedom. So they say at Netflix, don't seek to please your boss, seek to do what's best for the company. And they say, lead with context, not control. So here we have, instead of a decision-making pyramid, where we've got the CEO who or the, the top-level managers who are saying, yes, you can do that, and no, you can't, we've got a decision-making tree where the CEO is down there in the dirt <laughs> setting context and direction for the company, but the lower level employees are often making the multi-million dollar decisions without needing to ask approval. And I can tell you, employees love that freedom. But isn't there like a backside to this? Uh, oh, yes, you have a lot of freedom, but uh, yeah, you can take a, as much as vacation as you want, but do they really take as much as vacation as <laughs> you want? And is this like, is this because because of the, the firing policy, call it that, you know, mediocre performance uh, equals a generous severance package or something like that? Aren't you like living in fear? And you know, you, 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 also, you also mentioned this in your book, you know, the concept of psychological safety. And that, that's not even the in a concept in, in Netflix. Yeah, well, I mean, the, 
This is where the idea of candor comes in. So Amy Edmondson, who developed the idea of psychological safety, she was talking about not that you'd feel that you'd have your job for life, but that you would feel comfortable speaking openly and telling people what you really think, right? And that's a big part of of, corp- of the Netflix culture is telling your boss, you know, I think that that's a stupid idea and this is what I believe, right? So I do believe we have to have that going at the same time. But you talked about vacation and I can tell you, I was really concerned when I heard that the vacation policy was take some. I thought that no vacation policy likely would turn into a no vacation exactly. policy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but that's where this whole lead with context, not control comes in. So if... If you don't have rules telling your workforce what they can and can't do, then the rules are replaced with leadership. And leaders who are in an organization like this have to do two things. Talk a lot about how much vacation they want their employees to take, right? Oh, we all need to be resting. Oh, I have noticed you haven't taken some vacation in a while. And secondly, they need to be modeling. So every leader in an environment like that needs to be taking more vacation than they do in a normal company and talking a lot about it, right? So Reed, for example, the the founder of of Netflix, I mean, this is not unusual in Norway, but very unusual for a CEO in the the US. He takes six weeks of vacation every year and he's always talking about his vacations. Mm -hmm. And it's in doing that that the team starts to see, oh, there's no rule telling me what I can and can't not do, but I understand what the expectations are and I'll follow those expectations. The the main premise of of this organizational type is to have a flexible, innovative uh, organization which can, you know, change in in face of major changes in the society and and economic downturns and stuff like that, right? Isn't that isn't that like the the main goal to create that that type of resilient and flexible organization? To create an organization that can change direction quickly in face of for example COVID, right? Um but also where you've got um such creativity going on that the top performers the most creative people really feel like, I want to work at that company because that's where I can run free. And I think I'll say that my my biggest learning from all of this research was to realize that the large majority of organizations today are operating with an industrial era hangover. And what I mean by that is that during the industrial era, of course, we were all obsessed with error elimination and replicability. Right. And if you are leading a manufacturing plant today, those are still your goals. But in a leading number of organizations and teams today, our, our primary goal is no longer to eliminate error. Right? Our primary goal is to figure out how to be more fresh thinking and more creative and more, more flexible when things change around us. And, and that's where we need to find, you know, this kind of new flexible workplace. And that's what this culture does for us. But is it possible to have have this um, uh, in innovative uh, approach uh, or like not industrial way of thinking? Is that possible without the, um, the A players? Well, I think that if you want to give your employee, let me say it this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You can't give your employees enormous amounts of freedom to make multi-million dollar decisions without getting the approval from their boss unless yeah. you have really good people on your team. Exactly. And um, I mean, that's just the, that's just it, full stop. So at Netflix, they say we are a team, not a family. And we are an Olympic team, right? So if you think about this idea, I mean, at, when you're building an Olympic team, at the beginning, you try to get the best person that you can for every spot. Mm. And then you work hard to create a collaborative spirit and a supportive environment, and you give a lot of coaching and feedback. Um, but then at the end of the year, you're going to go back and look at each of those spots again. And if you find that, you know, some people are not performing to expectation, you might replace them. But if you found that your sport has changed, (laughs) Uh, like in Formula One, where the cars changed to become more electric, and suddenly they needed a different kind of of race car driver, right? You might find that you at that point also need to replace your employees. If you say our organization is a family, I mean, that feels really comfortable, but it's Mm -hmm. not very agile. That's true. One problem I have with this is that we talk about the power of diversity, like in terms of gender, race, but also age. There are not a lot of Olymp- 50-year-old Olympic uh, <laughs> competitors, right? Mm. So it, for me, it seems like this, you know, you can work at Netflix as a certain period in, in, in your life, and then it's too hard to, to, be, to be like this top player. Or, or, am I, or am I wrong in this? No, I would actually not say that. I would say, I mean, the average age of employee at Netflix is quite a bit older than you will find at most technical companies. And I don't think we lose, okay, we lose our physical prowess as we get old, but we don't lose our creativity. I don't think so. I mean, maybe after a certain age, (laughs) but instead, I think that as we become more experienced, we actually become more self-assured, we become more creative, we become more ready to make decisions without going to our boss. So I don't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that people who are are older um, don't have a, a space here, but I would say that this kind of don't seek to please your boss, that, um, creates a lot of passion in the industry. And it means that people do end up really throwing their hearts into their work. And okay, like I'm 50 years old this year. I just turned 50 this summer. And I can tell you, I don't want to work as much as I did when I was 30. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I'm, I think that you kind of have to self-select uh, to see if you're ready to work in a company like this. So you you wrote this book about Netflix culture and also structure, and but you're 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 you you are a cultural expert. You you wrote the the, the cultural um, uh, map, and uh, and so I want lastly I want to ask you how do you implement a new culture into an organization? What 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 do you have to be doing? To be, to be successful doing that. Yeah. So my first book, The Culture Map, was all about um, national cultural differences around the world. And when I started working with Netflix, I can tell you I was really concerned. That was in 2015 that they were an almost entirely American company at that time. And here they were moving into to Tokyo and Singapore and Sao Paulo and, and Amsterdam. And I just couldn't figure out how these principles, um, like radical candor, which we haven't even spoken about, but I couldn't figure out how that that would apply in a, in a Japanese work environment. And I think at the beginning, they didn't do this so well. So 
So at the beginning, they tried to take the techniques that they were using in California and really kind of push them out to the other countries. I remember in Tokyo at the beginning, it was really an aggressive work environment. People didn't want to work there because that candor was in such contradiction with the local culture. But then they kind of learned some things. And what they learned was we can keep our principles of talent density and candor and freedom. We can keep those consistent around the world. But we need to say, you know what? In Brazil, you have to figure out what works in Brazilian culture and is also radically candid. And in and uh, Tokyo, you have to figure out how to get all the feedback out there in a way that, that works in Japan. And they started really growing the, the behaviors locally, even though the principles were universal. So for example, in Japan, surprisingly to me, they really liked these group feedback sessions where they would give one another feedback in front of the group. They would mm-hmm. prepare and then they would each try to be helpful to one another on, in front of the team. Uh, the ad hoc feedback didn't work very well. Oh. Um, so you have, you have to translate translate it to that culture. And in, they in, have to they have, have to, to come do, up with it in yeah. each country. Bottom up. That's right. It can't be someone mm. in at headquarters who's okay. saying this is how you're gonna do it. They but, they are the ones but, who know. But let's say you're an American business executive executive or, or an European one for that yeah. matter, and you want to change your culture. Yeah. What, how how do, first of all, what is culture and how do you change it? Yeah, so I define culture as the personality of a group. <laughs> so in the same way that I can describe like your personality, right? He's a really friendly guy, really easy to talk to. I can also describe a, a group's culture, right? So uh, an organization. So that organization is a lot of fun or that organization, there's it's really serious, right? And I believe if you want to change your organizational culture, like if you want to start implementing some of the things they're doing at Netflix, you have to do it step by step by step. So... Um, I don't recommend that you just kind of try to like do an overhaul. Instead, you can say, what's one thing that we can do in order to increase high performance on this team and create more talent density? What's one door that's open? Maybe I'm not ready to get rid of adequate performers, but maybe I'm ready to hire one person instead of five and pay that person like a rock star to attract the best. And then maybe I'm not ready to do like public feedback, Mm -hmm. but maybe I am ready to start putting feedback on the agenda, right? Whatever door opens for you. And then what's one control? Maybe you're not ready to say no vacation for anybody. But maybe you are ready to say, you know what? Um, I disagree with you, but if you've done your homework, you know, please go ahead and decide for yourself. And then step by step by step, the culture over weeks, months, and years takes takes root. But you need to have like a blue, like a, a like a roadmap. You need to have a, you need to know where you're ending, right? You, you need to know the direction that yeah. you're moving. And that was my goal with this book to really provide like these, these kind of three pillars, right? Three things you can do, increase talent density, increase candor, uh, reduce or remove control mechanisms. Yeah. And although you don't do it like hundred percent Netflix, it's, it is the right thing for everyone to, to increase those aspects, right? aspect right or well i believe that the more freedom the more talent you 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 all attract erin that's all we have time for now thank you very much i really love your book and good luck thank you it was a pleasure to be here with you thank you Hej, hvis du likte denne episoden, så abonner på den og gi den gjerne en femsternes rating med dine tanker. Hvis du er interessert i temaene vi tar opp på denne podcasten, så anbefaler jeg deg å gå in på skifter.no. Og hvis du mener vi fortjener det, så kan du gjerne støtte oss ved å abonnere på Skifter. Takk for at du hørte på, så ses vi neste uke.